You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. You know, there's another column to the right, said Jonathan Drouin. After being scoreless again against the Edmonton Oilers, after their win 4-3 to on Wednesday night, and their loss 4-1 to on Monday night. Jonathan Drouin has been a topic that we have been talking about for a long time here at the Habs Culture Podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Shorts. And I don't know if you want to continue to talk about him, but enough is enough. I don't like to bash players. And our listeners at home probably think that that's our specialty at this point. <laughs> However, I'm very quick to move on. And I like when the, when the coach makes adjustments, gives players the minutes they deserve, doesn't give, pl- players, doesn't give players the minutes they deserve, and move on. We saw last game Jonathan Drouin take a step back and was demoted to the fourth line with Eric Stahl and Corey Perry. Mm-hmm. Now that for me was a step in the right direction. Because a player who is playing at this level right now and is not performing doesn't deserve minutes. Yeah. On the other hand, why is he still on the power play? That is my question to you right now. <laughs> I want to hear your opinion because it throws me off. I think he's on the power play simply because he's good at moving the puck when he has time and space. And I think just of his ability and his skill that at this point, the power play is his only hope at getting on the score sheet. And if they take him off of that, what is he going to be playing 10 minutes a night? Like it's going to get bad. But he's playing horrible. I don't disagree, but I don't think he deserves those minutes anyway. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the 10 minutes that he's... The 10 minutes without the power play that he's getting is what he deserves. I think if Gallagher was in the lineup, he could be a guy removed. Like, Drouin could be a guy removed from the power play. Yeah, I agree. Because even on the power play, in my opinion, his decision-making... making. Is still off. The high stick to the face? That was a... You know what's crazy about that penalty? (laughs) Is the fact that the Habs were up 4-1. He takes that penalty, and he puts the Habs in a very difficult situation. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that the Habs penalty kill has been fairly good all season Mm -hmm. and should be able to kill off penalties in big big moments. Look, it's unlucky that he, he got cut. Like, let's be real. But his stick was flying. Right. It was it he was a lazy hard. play. Yeah. But on the same token, a player like Jonathan Drouin, who's taking that penalty and putting the Habs in a position where they have to play six on four against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, a goal is bound to be yeah. scored, right? Yeah. It's just a careless penalty. And we've seen that a few times from guys all over the team, so I'm not just going to target him in particular. Mm-hmm. But I still think it's worth noting that his play as of late has been subpar, bad. subpar, right? Bad. Yeah. 
And the least you can do is stay out of the penalty box. Yeah. That comment bothered me to just look at his assist because he's making five, five and a half million dollars. You got to score some goals. Shoot the puck. But tonight, Dominic Ducharme said a few minutes ago, actually, that there'll be no changes to the lineup. Jake Allen is starting. So that means Primo is going tomorrow. Well, who knows? If they lose tonight, I, I see Jake Allen playing again. I don't know about that. I mean, it's definitely yeah. up in the air, but we'll see. I wanted to see Primo tonight. And then after tonight's game, put him back on the taxi squad. Use the emergency call up for Charlie Lindgren. He'd be the backup tomorrow night with Jake Allen. And that gives you the salary cap space to have Caulfield make his debut tomorrow night. So I think that there's a lot of stuff going on. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of things that need to fall into place for Cole, for Cole Caulfield to be yeah. brought up. Right now I he think, can't. Right. I think, as a Habs fan, the Habs management has to do whatever they can to get this guy in the lineup. I've talked about it previously, not on this episode or not on any episode in particular, but you know, just in conversation with friends and other people. There are two players in our lineup right now that will just, quote-unquote, are the heart and soul of the team. Mm-hmm. One of them is injured. Brandon Gallagher, the other is Josh Anderson. Now, I'm not trying to direct the conversation away from the Cole Caulfield topic, Mm -hmm. but what I'm trying to talk about is how we have limited amount of players, a limited amount of players that are willing to show up on a night-in, night-out basis. And we, we say this every time. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that Cole Caulfield is not a guy that necessarily needs to be put in a great situa- situation to succeed. I don't think he needs to be playing alongside the better players in the league. I don't think he needs to be playing alongside a natural playmaker. I think he's just a natural goal scorer that knows how to put the puck in the net regardless of his situation. We need someone like that. And that goes without saying. I don't know if you noticed, Kotkaniemi, before the pass to Lekkonen, before the assist, he went in the corner and he, like a pass just flew out of the corner off his stick right to Byron, who was alone. Mm-hmm. And he comple- he wasn't ready for it at all. Well, that's it. That's what I'm emphasizing, right? And even in previous games, I think Lekkonen is a great player. 18 mm-hmm. goals in his rookie season, disappointing four goals this season. I still think he's young enough where you can plug him in, take him out, do what you with, uh, do what you want with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but... You need and but on the same vein, Lekkonen has missed countless opportunities, countless empty nets, and the one thing that the Habs are lacking is goal scoring. There's no one better right now in a prospect pool than Cole Caulfield, who will bring that to your lineup. Yeah, here's the thing: you can't take Lekkonen out of the lineup because you can't put him on the taxi squad. Squad, right? Because If he does, he goes through waivers and someone's going to claim him. He's going to get claimed. Yeah. Byron, however, you can. But coaching staff, management clearly have a soft spot for him. 
because of his speed and because of what he can do here and there. But at one point, Mark Bergevin has done great trades, good drafting with Trevor Timmons. But I'm going to bring you back to Ron Hextall in Philly Mm -hmm. a few years back. He did not, in any circumstance, want to call up Carter Hart. And ownership told him, call him up, call him up. And he didn't. He was then fired. And they called up Carter Hart. Now look G- where they're at. The new GM called him up and look at Carter Hart. He's not having a great season, but no. the experience he had that rookie season and then in the bubble to beat Carey Price, his idol, that's going to last forever. He lost his job because he didn't call up their best prospect. So I'm not saying Mark Bergevin is going to lose his job because Cole Caulfield's in the stands because it's still tricky with salary cap. But I don't think salary cap should be an excuse where there's teams around the league doing gymnastics with money, mm-hmm. moving guys around, making it possible for guys to play. And I know everyone says these three games of the season because Calgary, if you win them all, they're gone. I'm going to be honest, I think Calgary is gone. Unless they go 0-3, which I doubt. Calgary already is in a horrible position. Play the kid. There's 10 games left in the season, I think. Yeah, about. Calgary, before the 4-1 loss to Edmonton. Oh, no, sorry, after the Canadians lost to Edmonton 4-1. The stat was, if the Montreal Canadiens go 500 for the rest of the season, before they beat Edmonton. Calgary would have to go 9-1-1 one, one mm-hmm. to catch up and make the playoffs. That's a tough task. And then Montreal won against Edmonton, and they lost. I forget who. The Ottawa, maybe? Ottawa. So, I, I understand where you're coming from on the comment of you, you need to play Caulfield. Mm-hmm. Where I disagree with you a little bit, is the whole Carter Hart situation. Now I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna dive into it just mm-hmm. because, you know, that's not it's not really what we talk about around yeah. here. But I just think that look, statistically he's having a terrible season. Like terrible. Yeah. And I just think that you're not wrong to say that look at the experience he gains in the bu- mm-hmm. in the bubble, look at the games before the bubble. He had some great numbers. Yeah. But I think now we're starting to see where Philly rushed him and how that has impacted his game a little bit. Yeah. Or he uses this as a motivation motivation. to step up. Yeah. Who knows? I just think that goalies are very, very, are a very difficult situation. Yeah. 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 But just beating Carey Price for anyone is. Exactly. But now I completely agree with Mm -hmm. you on the Cole, on the Cole Caulfield situation. Because I believe that the Habs should do anything, or sorry, the Habs management should do anything they could to get him in the lineup. Now, yeah. what bothers me, like you said, other teams are doing gymnastics with, with cap space. If you're a good GM, cap space is never a problem. Never. Yeah, they have guys who take care of the money. There's a guy who helps Mark figure out, I forget like his an name. accountant. Yeah, I forget his name, but he does a great job. Sorry, I, I forget his name. But he's there to make sure when trades come in, when players come in, that 
the money works. And there has to be a way. Cap Friendly has proven it multiple times that there's ways to get him in the lineup. It's just a question of who are you going to take out? I take out Byron. Like, because then it's also the one call up thing that they're going to say, well, if we if we put in Caulfield for Byron, then Byron can't play in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. Yeah, right? I don't think that's the end of the world. I like, still do believe that Byron brings something to the lineup. Yeah, 100%. But the way he's been playing this season, would he be that big of a change? I know you're putting a rookie in the playoffs, which is not the same atmosphere. It's not the same game at all. It's not. But but he can put the puck in the net. Right. And, and just to give an example of something we saw, like a similar situation, was when... Colorado called up Kale McCarr mm-hmm. for, I think, their first or second game of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Now, Kale McCarr was drafted fourth overall. I think so. Top five for sure. Yeah. I think Regardless, he was called up in a tough situation and he thrived. And he, he scored. Learned, he scored. And he learned how to take on tough situations, yeah. big situations, big moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what goes unnoticed with certain rookies like Kotkaniemi who early in his career was not put in these tough situations and we've talked about this before to develop young players like that you need to put your trust in them as a coach and the more trust you put in the player the less stress is on their shoulders and the more they feel like they can play their game Mm -hmm. and that's what Cole Caulfield well that's what we need to see from management and if we see Cole Oh my God, I've been butchering it all day. If we see Cole Caulfield play his game, he's dangerous. Very dangerous. He's lethal. Like, if he's on the power play in the playoffs, or any any time, even at the end of the season. He would replace Drouin on the power play on that uh, like lefty spot. Yeah, yeah, but I'm just saying that teams now have to worry about a 20-year-old. Exactly. Because Weber has not been a threat on the power play. But that opens up other spots. Mm-hmm. Like, I know he's still a young kid. Like, but like there's the bumper spot behind the net. Mm-hmm. Or, sorry, next to that, like Perry's spot. Exactly. Caught Kanyemi's spot on the half wall. Opens Even up the slot Petrie for Toffoli. Yeah. yeah. It, it just adds options. And I feel like what Byron plays, I don't know how many minutes he plays. On exactly. average, you're saying? Probably under than 12. I, I'd assume. Well, actually, I don't know because... I'll, I'll check it out, but mm-hmm. he's playing with Kotkaniemi and Lekkinen as of right now. But like I'm, average this season, it's probably not that high. So to take out that number and replace it with Caulfield, 10, 12 minutes a yeah. night with his power play, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. No, it's not the end of the world. They're so just, okay, yeah, go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, it's fine. No, no, I'm just saying they're just, it seems like they're afraid to put the kid in. It's like, yeah, I don't know what it is. They're almost acting as if, yeah, we're in the playoffs, and we want all our veterans in the lineup. But yeah, at some well they, point... They, they believe very heavily in playoff experience. At some point, if you're not going to play him, put him in Laval. Laval's playing now. Yeah. He started up again. Mm-hmm. So. so, let's shift the subject a little bit. Mm-hmm. We asked on Instagram, uh, right before we started recording, if anyone had any questions, comments, uh, opinions, anything like that, mm-hmm. and to talk about during today's episode... We could touch on this for a little bit. Rylanbaum asked or noted the future of the team, including prospects, long-term pieces, consequences of expansion. I think it's an interesting interesting subject. Mm-hmm. Do you have any comments on that? 
I think this team has, well, we know they do. They have one of the best prospect pools in the league. And what Mark Bergevin has done by not having to completely sell and rebuild like Pierre Dorian's doing, and no offense to Pierre Dorian, he's doing a great job, is is great because this team's in the playoffs or they, they're they in a playoff spot. Laval is the best team in the AHL. Yeah. And he has one of the best prospect pools in the league. Mm-hmm. That's why this offseason, there needs to be... And look, if they lost to Edmonton back-to-back, this is going to be a different conversation because I know it yeah. would. And we had this off when we weren't recording this conversation. There needs to be a change in mentality of this franchise. Absolutely. That starts with Jeff Molson and what he's going to do with the guys below him. I'm not saying fire Mark Bergevin. Can I give... Sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to give a bold take. Yeah. I think I told this or I said this to you and I don't know what your reaction was, but Mm -hmm. if I were Jeff Molson going into next season... I wipe the whole management. Yeah, unless... Like, if they go on a crazy run here, you can't wipe management. You can't, but... Like you said, the mentality in the room Mm -hmm. has been the same for the past five seasons. It's always... They're never trying to win a game. They're always trying not to lose. Exactly. You mentioned this to me. Yeah. It should be on the wall of their locker room. Yeah, seriously. We try not to lose. Seriously. Last game against the Oilers, you saw it a little less. Mm-hmm. They pushed. They got some insurance markers. Urgency. Urgency. But throughout the course of the season, it's always go up one goal and protect the lead. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's played hockey before, that will get you in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it. So I respect Bergevin for the moves he's made. And I want to note that. Because the the acquisitions of Josh Anderson and Tyler Toffoli are so big that I don't know where the Habs would be this season without them. I'm genuinely curious. Lottery. Probably. Josh Anderson, 17 goals on the season. Tyler Toffoli, 22. Lead the team respectively. The next highest is 14 goals by Gallagher, who's not even in the lineup right now. So, with that being said, I respect Bergevin for the moves that he's made. But I think it's worth noting that the mentality that has been in the Habs locker room for so long now has really affected the players, physically and mentally. And I think that the way that they approach a hockey game now is very different or sorry, very similar to the way it's been for years. And that's why I think Ducharme realistically needs to go. So does Alex Burrows. Trevor, Trevor Timmons we can keep. See, that's a... Trevor Timmons, four years ago, I told myself, why does this guy still have a job? Yeah, I know. Now, he's drafted very well. Here's the thing. It depends on how this team does in the playoffs. I disagree, though, Mark. And I'll tell you why. So wait, if they, if they win the first round, you still wipe everyone? 
Hmm. It, what's your justification to the guy you're right, firing? Right. So you're not wrong. I just think here's here's my my take. Mm-hmm. The Habs last year, right? Different season. It, it was all good up until COVID hit. Yeah. But they were fortunate enough to squeak into the playoffs somehow as the 24th seed. Yeah, they weren't a playoff team. They weren't a playoff team. However, they won. They, they won in the first round. And second round, they, give, they gave Philly a run for their money. Mm-hmm. The point that I'm trying to make is that they ended up losing in the first round. Or sorry, winning in the first round, losing in the second round. And they ended up getting the 15th overall pick, if I'm not mistaken. Th- this previous year? Well, they drafted Caden Gooley. Yeah. Was I- it 15? It was definitely mid-round. I think it was a bit after because... You're right. Because they made the playoffs. It was 16 or 17, something like that. Regardless, the point that I'm trying to make is that the Habs have always been a team that never really draft in the top five and they never really draft in the late 30s or in the 30s or in the late 20s. It's always in the middle because we're always a transitioning team. The Habs can't take... A losing season. Habs fans can't take a losing season. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I agree. It's just, look, I'm going to use this Toronto Raptors example. Dwayne Casey was coach of the year and lost mm-hmm. his job because he couldn't win in the, in the playoffs. The next year, they win the championship. Without they him. also acquired Kawhi Leonard, but you know what I mean? Yeah, darn I almost just said Darnell Nurse. Nick Nurse <laughs> mm-hmm. was a great coach, or is a great coach. So here's my point. If they go in the playoffs and get absolutely demolished by Toronto, and they play the way they played against Edmonton a few nights ago, that's when I see change. That's when I see Jeff Molson right. go, it's not going to work here. Look, at the end of the day, I'll give Ducharme a chance. Because he's never coached a play an NHL playoff game ever, right? Yeah, As a it head shouldn't coach. be an excuse though. He... No, but what? I, sorry, I think you missed my point. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is that we don't know how he. We know how he's coached mm-hmm. so far this season in the which, game, which is meh. Yeah, we'll talk about that because I want to talk about it a bit. No problem. But what I'm saying is that let's see how he approaches an NHL playoff game, because we don't know. You know, he was with Claude Julien for two years. He got hired or he got promoted. And then he said, I'm a new... Mark Bridgeman said it. He's a new type of coach. He's a younger guy. He's offensively minded. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but this team can't score ever since he got promoted. Yeah, I don't know. It could be on the players. 100% it could be on the players that there's just something missing. But we were told something as a fan base. We were told that change was coming. And I haven't seen change. The records are very similar between Claude Julien and Dom Ducharme. I think I think Ducharme's even worse is actually. It is worse. Exactly. And it's not like they're scoring six goals and losing seven, six. They're not scoring at all. And it's a offensively minded mm-hmm. coach and look at the end of the day i still think that julien should have been fired yeah because we talked about this in the very first episode the haps came out flying to start the season then we started to see a regression we started to see them lose game after game after game that's where it was proved to me 
or the evidence showed that Julien was incapable of responding or firing back to the adjustments that mm-hmm. other head coach made, head coaches made. I agree. So, I think they or Bergevin was in the right to fire Julien. But now it's a little bit of a bad look. Well, he couldn't hire externally because then the guy has to quarantine for two weeks. It was the perfect opportunity. I don't know if that's a valid excuse, though. I think it was just the perfect opportunity to give Ducharme a shot. If it worked out, great. If it doesn't, he's interim. Right? And look, if they... Again, obviously, I don't... I want him to succeed. I want the Canadians to go into the playoffs and play very good hockey. But if, and this is a big if, Jeff Molson decides to wipe He'll never everyone. do it. He'll never do it, Mark. You I, really... I, I said it as a bold take, mm-hmm. but you really believe that Jeff Molson will walk into this or look at his management and just kick everyone out? No way. No, because Bergevin has his credibility. If you look at what he's... I know. Look, look, look. I know the face you're making. <laughs> that... and. People listening are probably making the exact same face that Mark Anthony, he's been here for nine Eight seasons, years, nine seasons yeah. and his playoff record isn't great. He hasn't won. He hasn't gone deep in the playoffs, but like I said before, his team is competitive. His AHL roster is competitive and his pro- prospect pool is amazing. As a GM, having those three things is the best you can ask for. Right. And... The only the only way I see him being fired is using his words of saying they need a new voice. And not a voice because he goes to talk to the players, a voice in direction of this organization. Because mm-hmm. right now I don't know where we're going. I can't I don't know if you agree with me there. I don't know where we're at. It's it's tough to say because Mark Bergevin, if he stays a GM, Carey Price and Shea Weber are staying on this team. I think Carey Price should stay on this team until he retires, just because he's Carey Price. But let's say a new guy comes in. What does he do with Shea Weber? If he has a right. a different perspective on this team, what does he do with Shea Weber? Look, that, again, is a, a huge if. There's a bunch of ifs. Because if they go and they beat... Toronto in the first round, they have a good run. No one's no one's going anywhere. But if they don't, I'd like to see, first of all, Joel Bouchard become the head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. Simply because he's been coaching guys in Laval. Those guys in Laval are now starting to come up. So if you keep a coach that taught them the basics and now is with them at the highest pro level, I don't know. I think that could work. Yeah, I don't disagree with you there. I like Joel Bouchard. Management-wise, I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to fire someone after they did their job and the team's just not performing. But, again, you can say, look at your past nine years, nine seasons. That's the only way I see him getting fired. But Ryland asked about prospects. I don't think we even answered not really. We just spoke about management. But 
prospect wise, I think they're set. I think if your future has the likes of Ryan Palin, Jesperi Kotkaniemi, Nick Suzuki, Alexander Romanov, Jordan Harris, Caden Primo, Cole Caulfield, you're set. Yeah. And also, to note as well, mm-hmm. you have guys like Josh Anderson and Tyler Toffoli locked up for four to six more years, right? Mm-hmm. And, I mean... And Gallagher. And Gallagher. And Petrie. The hard... Ins- the, the players that bring that intensity night in, night out. Did you like Shea Weber's comments about uh, his play? Did you hear it? I did, but can you just refresh me a little bit? He says they, they asked him about how he's been playing, and he said, this is a team game, is it not? Not 100% like that he said it, but this is yeah, just I, how, I'm, how I remember it. It's questionable. Shea Especially Weber... From a it, captain... Yeah, but in positive times, if he ha- if he scores a hat trick with two assists, he'll say, "Yeah, the boys played well." He'll never say, "Yeah, I had a good night." So there's the argument of through the good and through the bad, it's a team sport. Yeah, but you just expect a little bit more from the positivity, guy who's wearing right? The seat. You, I think you just. It's not that the comment that he made was bad or take or, you know bringing the team down but i just think you never expect expect a comment from that guy like that not that it was bad but you just expect him to address the media make his comments quick and move on because that's what a captain does and he answered though he had a great game against edmonton he did i think that's the one game i looked at him and said okay he had a good game oh it is the one game he sat dry sidled down Ben Schrock played well also. The decor in general played well. And mm-hmm. actually, that leads us to talk about the third pairing mm-hmm. in Romanov and Merrill. I thought Merrill played a very solid game. I think they found Romanov's guy. Yeah. Because I think Romanov can now... He doesn't need to worry about defensive liability. Exactly. He can join the rush, get in the corner, because that's the type of player he is. He can play his physical game, and John Merrill will always be his safety net, if ever. And he can move the puck well, John Merrill. Yeah, he can. So it's like a win-win. I think it was a diamond in the rough. I mean, look, as a Habs fan, going into trade deadline for the past eight, nine years that Bergevin has been a coach, Mm -hmm. uh, coach, general GM, you don't expect much. Yeah. But I think these pieces go unnoticed especially when you're trying to make a playoff run. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just interested interested. Oh, today's been bad for me on the butchering <laughs> of the words, but I'm interested to see if uh Gust- Gustafsson gets any games. I'd like to see him. I mean, why would you bring him in? Like what's the point of that? Here's where you'd bring him in. If they wipe Calgary and Calgary has zero hope, that's when you start resting guys. Shea Weber gets taken out. And you put Gustafson and Sherrod gets taken out, Edmondson, and you start doing a quick rotation mm. and you start resting, I guys, see. because you have depth. Depth is good if you use it, not if you keep them in the stands. Yeah, I see. Same thing goes for the forwards. Corey Perry should not be playing until the end of the season if they're in a playoff spot. Yeah. Right. Give that guy rest. Right. Are there any other comments on Instagram? Let me take a look. But yeah. 
don't think so. I think we'll move away from management because that there's way too much too many ifs and buts. And uh and look, we'll see how they how they react after the win. Usually the Habs win and then lose, then win and lose. They're never consistent. But we're not gonna say that word again. We butchered it enough last episode. My god. Then he, I know you want to talk about Josh Anderson. I mean, I made the tweet. He's my new favorite player. <laughs> I just love guys. I just like players who give it their all every game. The complete opposite of Jonathan Drouin. Plus, Josh Anderson said before the game, yeah, he we need made to come a statement. Out. Yeah. He made it known that the Habs, as, as a team, needed to step up and play a very strong game. And they did. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that going forward, as a big part of this team, not only this season, but for five or six more seasons going forward, there's going to be a letter on his jersey. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, look, as a Habs fan who watches basically every single game, mm-hmm. every time that he's on the ice he contributes to the play. Gives it his all. He gives it his all, whether it's in the corner, in front of the net, Mm -hmm. along the wing. When the puck is on his stick, he's a dangerous player. Now, not... I don't mean dangerous in the sense of the McDavid, the Matthews, the, you know, the top-tier players, but I'm just saying that he's a player that with his speed and size, he's very hard to knock off the puck, and and he's very good at getting in those tougher situations. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it. He makes something out of nothing. Exactly. You know who I'll compare him to? I'll compare him, well, a guy on our team, like Gallagher, mm-hmm. except just faster, bigger and faster. Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't Literally. know who to compare him to in the NHL because those types of players are very hard to come by. There's not many of them. And I really like that trade on Bergemay's part. <laughs> and I want to talk about that. Was that the downfall of the Columbus Blue Jackets? My God, I think it goes way before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Losing it does. Panarin, losing Duchesne, Bobrovsky, and then. But what was he thinking on that trade, man? So what was the full trade? It was we Max got rid Domi. of Domi in a third for Josh Anderson. Yeah, and Domi's now sitting in the pe- press box. People complain that we gave a third. That's like pennies. We have so many picks. I think the reason that the price was fairly low was due to the fact that Josh Anderson has a history with injuries. Well, or his shoulder. Yeah. And that's not, it's not a... I think also because they didn't want to sign him for some reason. They were scared that he was RFA. I don't know why they were scared he was RFA. But Maxomi was also. It's just... Can it's I... a trade that I don't understand considering the way John Tortorella runs his team. Yeah, That seriously. a GM trades the one player that thrives under his system i don't think their communication is uh is very strong what a but joke can i can i add that josh anderson is literally the perfect playoff player mm-hmm. he's single hand okay that's a little premature but he contributed heavily to killing the tampa bay lightning <laughs> it's true that's true they they sweat they swept them mm-hmm and he was the rowdiest guy on the ice. He did everything he needed to do 
for his team. And that's what I like so much. He's not worried about scoring goals or picking up points. He's just worried about winning the game. And he does exactly that. He does everything he needs to do to contribute to that. And that's why with Anderson and Gallagher in the lineup, those two guys bring the most... Fill it in for me. Uh, like ferocity. They just they just bring the most energy. Energy. Yeah. Every night. Yeah, I completely agree. The one thing that Gallagher does that Anderson doesn't is you know stay in front of the net, and that's yeah. a specialty. But but Not what Anderson does that, do that? Sorry. Not many players can stand in front of the net like no. that. No. I think the only two that I know of are Gallagher and Marshall. And Perry. And Perry, but. I mean, that are... Yeah, you're right. Uh, Perry and his There's prime. obviously more, but off the top of our head, uh, Joe Pavelski's one of them. Like people like... Oh, yeah. But people I think of, yeah. right? When I, when, when I think of front of the net aggressors, I think of Marshawn Gallagher. Yeah, because Pavelski's more of a he, he specialist. The puck. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Columbus? Or I think we've done enough about them in the past. Yeah, we don't have to touch on that necessarily. Yeah, they're a joke. Are there any other teams that are worth looking at right now? Um, Maybe it's worth noting that East Division, how stacked it is right now. Yeah. The Capitals, Pittsburgh, the Isles, the Rangers. There's one other team that I'm forgetting, but I think it's significant. I'll find that for you. It's not New Jersey. It's definitely not New Jersey. But when are the Penguins going to slow down, man? It's a good question. Realistically. Their team isn't a... They lost the Hornquist trade. They lost the Murray trade. Well, they didn't really lose a trade, but they screwed up their whole goaltending situation. Yeah, and they still find a way to win games. They turned Flurry to Murray to nothing. To Jarry. Yeah. And to Smith. The Rangers and the Bruins. The Bruins, sorry. And that's actually something worth noting. The Bruins are trending upward. They've won six in a row... They brought in Taylor Hall as a second-line winger. Imagine the luxury of having that. Their decor is a little banged up right now, but you know McAvoy, Grizzlick, Mike Riley, who they acquired for very cheap, who is fairly solid. Their goaltending situation has always been fine. They're trending upward, but it's the end. Yeah, it is, and I think it's the last straw for them. Mm-hmm. Because if I, if I'm being completely honest with you, the past two or three seasons, when I build my playoff bracket, I have them winning the cup. And they don't even come... Well, that's not true. They don't, they lost to St. Louis in the finals. Mm-hmm. But I think that Marshawn Bergeron are only, only getting older. Pasta's still in his prime, but... Yeah, but he's going to get a nice pay raise and then no more money. Who knows, right? And then Taylor Hall is kind of in his... Lot, I don't know with him. I think he's going to... Resign in Boston. He is going to resign because he's having success there, and he—that's the only place that he's ever really found success, other than New Jersey when he won won MVP. Like Taylor, was it so hard to just choose them in free agency for six million dollars? Maybe didn't Buffalo retain half the cap too? I don't even know Buffalo man. And it's funny because when he they won that trade. Oh no, they didn't win that trade. Wait, they got Bjork and uh, they got Bjork and and a second or or a second. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. Columbus got a first for Felino. Yep. And what about the Mantha trade? 
Actually, this is good that we're talking about this because we actually never got a chance to look yeah, at the league true. and at the trade deadline, right? It's true. We only talked about the Habs. But that's an interesting trade. It's good for both sides. I like Anthony Manta. I do too, but I think a first and a second and Verana. Verana's incredibly skilled. Actually, last night he had four goals. Yeah, Anthony Manta that's, before he got injured last season was a monster. Yeah, he was. I, I just think the mentality in Detroit put him down a little bit yeah i don't blame him anthony mantha that's a guy i was targeting this offseason for the habs that's a guy i would like i would have liked to see another player got, born in montreal right yeah but who can like score but then they got josh anderson so um which i prefer if i'm being honest mm-hmm. but steve eiserman man he's a genius all the little moves he made at the at the trade deadline just joining. He was the third party. Mm-hmm. He would join, retain cap, get free picks. And I th- all those picks from it, Washington. Exactly. And I think he's the perfect example of how to take a team from zero to 100. Now, Detroit is not thriving by any means. No. But he's... Look what he did in the offseason. He went and got Bobby Ryan, Nemesnikov. He brought in a couple players on D, including John Merrill. And he flipped John Merrill for a fifth. Now, I know that that's not a significant return. Mm-hmm. However, that was his plan. He signed these free agents for cheap, made them deadline acquisitions. He acquired picks. And now he's going to use those picks to, it as, to, it as, advantage, to his yeah. advantage and build upwards he through, left, through Larkin and Verana. He left a Stanley Cup winning team to rebuild. Right. Because he would have won the Cup. Julian Brisbois, I know he made... Those acquisitions at the deadline, I'm sure Stevie Y would have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just a but, different situation. Yeah, but look, if you look at Bergevin, what he did with Scandella. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's the same type of sneakiness, right? Sneakiness. But yeah, but Bergevin didn't do it as often. Didn't do it. He was in a tougher situation because because the Habs are always in a transitioning phase. Exactly. They're never sell complete sellers. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, look. I really like Detroit's situation, as crazy as it sounds. They're a bottom team in the league right now, but what what Iserman's doing is is perfect. You know, they have an up-and-coming D in Moritz Sider. They still have... That's a scary pick. He's so good. When he was picked, and everyone was like, wow, the, the Red Wings just went off the board, I was thinking in my head, when Stevie Iserman goes off the board, six, you know. 6'4 defenseman who can skate? You know this guy's going to be the cow. next Victor Hedman. He went off the board to pick a kid that no one He's going to be about. incredible. So you know that... Oh, what a pick. What but a pick that who's was. their other defenseman that I'm blanking on? He's their number one defenseman right now. Mark Stahl? <laughs> Definitely not. Just give me a second to, to uh, check that out quickly. Is he a prospect? No. Oh, he's in their lineup right now? Yeah. Heronic. I like Heronic. Oh, yeah. It's not a game changer, but... No, but I'm just saying that looking at their lineup, there are many holes, Mm -hmm. right? So many. But if we're looking at the positive, and I don't know why we're we're being advocates for (laughs) for (laughs) Detroit, Detroit, but look, Verana, Larkin, Rasmussen, Zadina, then they have holes, but it's it's not hard to build your bottom six, right? That's the easiest part of the job. Yeah. Acquire... Older guys with depth who who are depth positions or depth players, um, 
to to build your team for a playoff run. But yeah, I like what he's doing. Definitely not GM of the year worthy, but maybe one day in the future. I'm still waiting for Philip Sedina to fill up our net with pucks. I'm waiting. He said it. He was really mad that he wasn't picked. I don't know. He, he's going to be a good player. Yeah, I don't see him. He struggled early, but he's showing some signs now, right? I don't he has see 18 him. points in 42 games. And look, let's be real. Let's be real. Not taking away from Kod Kniemi. He has 18 points in 43 games, 42 games. Mm-hmm. Kod Kniemi is 20 in 42. Mm-hmm. Who's now, playing the center I, ice position? Now, I think Kod Kniemi is bringing a lot more to the Habs lineup than Zadina brings to the Detroit lineup. But... We can't evaluate that right now. That's only something that you can look at down the road. Those those small samples that Kakinami gives us are like that pass to Lekkonen. That's an elite pass. That was a great pass. A great play all around. He shifted into the slot, looking at the net. Yeah. And fed him the puck on his tape. I just have a quick question yeah. because this goes back to that draft. Are you a are you a guy? If you're in the GM position, mm-hmm. are you a guy that? I know, I know it depends on the year and where you're at as, a, as an organization, but do you take the best player available or do you go after position? And again, it depends. Yeah, but in that situation, depends. do you take Zadina at four or at three, sorry, or Brady Kachuk? Or do you well, chase Kotkaniemi? I take Kachuk over Zadina. Yeah, of course. The best player but, available in that draft is Andrei Shvechnikov. Well, he, was at, he went at two. Yeah, he's the best player. But he went... You're saying he went two instead of one. Yeah, I'm just but, saying... But Detroit if, position chased. They went after Rasmus Dahlin. No, no, that's what I'm saying. The best player out of that draft, if you're looking for... If you're drafting by... I want the best player available. It's Shvechnikov because at his age, he was the best player. I understand, player. yeah. Him and Kachuk. Mm-hmm. But Buffalo drafted because they know Dahlin's going to be a monster. Yeah. The Habs drafted because they believe that Kotkaniemi right. is going to be a Kopitar type player. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. So, I just think that that certain teams, it depends on your position, right? Mm-hmm. Like Detroit. Detroit took the best player available in that draft. But I think going forward, they're still in a position to take the best player available. Detroit was in a tricky situation at, what were they, at six? Because Barrett Hayton went before. He went at five. Yeah, Hayton he went, went at five Zadina and then Zadina at six. Because... Arizona was going to take Kotkaniemi if he fell to five. Because they took Hayton. He jumped up in the draft a lot, mainly because of the Habs' needs, but he was projected to go 11. Which is still... It's not like he jumped up. It's not like uh, the Nico Heischer. Remember how he jumped up? Was that like... Nico Heischer went from late first to first overall. Wow. If I'm not mistaken. That draft is still weird to me. Nico Heischer and and, uh, Nolan Patrick won two. And then I don't even remember who went 3-4. Pedersen. It was Pedersen it at was, 4? No, it was Heiskanen. Uh, Pedersen went 4, for yeah, sure. Yeah, Pedersen went 4. And Miro Heiskanen went 3. <laughs> Crazy. It Scouting and that. That's all about scouting. Because that's, you see, Philly took the best player available. And I'm making the quotation signs. Because Nolan Patrick was considered the best player available in that draft. Right. But man, is he... Oh, that's not a very good pick. Imagine if Philly picked a guy like Pedersen. And Vancouver was mad that they took Pedersen. They thought it was another Ole Uolevi type pick. All right. Well, 
We're reaching the end of the episode. It was an interesting episode. I, I like. Was. We talked a lot about everything. Yeah. But again, right? The Habs are in a position where they've been sitting in fourth all season. Mm-hmm. There's not much movement. The only movement can come in the next 10 days. So, yeah, we'll see what we'll happens. We'll watch that. Again, feel free to DM us on Instagram, Twitter. In the near future, we're planning on starting a YouTube channel as well. Mm-hmm. So stay tuned for that. Probably near the summer. But we're, we're thinking of doing a giveaway on Instagram once we reach 100 followers. So all the support you guys can give us would be amazing. So we're that four followers away. Yeah. So that we can give back to you guys for, for helping the great us out. Support. Yeah. So yeah, stay tuned for that. We'll post a couple more updates on Twitter, mm-hmm. Instagram. And yeah, make sure to follow us. Stay up to date. If there's anything you guys want us to talk about on the podcast in particular, send us your messages, opinions, topics, whatever it may be. Exactly. So tonight, Habs Flames, 9 o'clock. It's a late if, one, but... If it happens, because right. the Calgary Flames today I think announced... It's gonna go, I think it's going to go through. I think the game's going to happen. Yeah, so for those who don't know, there was a COVID case for the Calgary Flames. They canceled their morning skate. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets delayed, maybe by an hour, just so that all the test results come in. Yeah, that's interesting. Anyways, it's Friday night. Good hockey game. What do you see happening? My bold prediction is a very high-scoring game. Very high-scoring. Mm-hmm. I'm going with a 6-5 Habs win. Wow. I don't know why. I don't know why. Maybe I overshot that a little bit, but it's a bold prediction for a reason. I'm going to go with, because he's played very well against the Calgary Flames, a goal and an assist from Jonathan Drouin. I don't think it gets bolder than that, to be honest with you. <laughs> just just him getting ice time is bold. Oh, my God. He's going to have to, a goal have to work assist. for those, a those goal points. With 10 Stall minutes. and Perry played very well last game. They had legs. Yeah, like Eric Stahl, Stahl especially. I, for the I first find time. Corey Perry's had legs all season. Yeah, but, that's true. But Eric Stahl, his first Finally. couple of games, he looked very slow, yeah. quiet, didn't contribute Could have been much. quarantine, though. Fair. Give him the benefit of the doubt. Right. But yeah. So, we once again... Thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot, guys.